All right. Welcome back to Equal Time Soccer. We're here to talk a little bit of NSIC, but a lot of other things too, because we have uh, a great guest, the head coach of Moorhead State Dragons, Christy Cope. I didn't. I should have asked you before. Is it Copets? It's Copets. Copets. I mean, look. That's yeah. <laughs> you you used to have an easier, uh, a, a more phonetic name. <laughs> yes, much easier. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. I mean, we we're going to talk about Moorhead, obviously, but I also I wanted the you have I mean somewhat of a unique path to Fargo Moorhead coming from Almonte, Ontario, area code six one three. So <laughs> I had to, I, I had the Wikipedia, Christy. There's four people from that town as notable uh, residents, and I, you must know at least one. Dr. James Naismith would be the one that uh, I know. Okay. Yeah, that's where <laughs> is from. So I know you have the Naismith basketball tournament. The other three are really funny, though. Like, there is Noreen Young, who is a puppeteer on Sesame Park, which is like the Canadian Sesame Street. Yep. And, and then a skier, not Perry and Jones. And I actually like, ran track with her, so I okay, do know. So this was not, this was not for not. That was a good day. That's amazing. That's wow. What was she? What did she run? And what did you run? Um, I ran the 400, 800 and 1500 and she was amazing. And she ran the similar races. She was a little bit younger than me, but we ran the four by four together once. So nice. we went cool. because she was in it because she is so fast. Okay. With the Olympian. Well, I mean, look, they, maybe they should tack you on as number five. Well, I, we'll, we'll get the attention on it. Uh, I also saw, I just have to ask you this because I saw there's a whole website devoted to highlighting all like the kind of lifetime style Christmas movies that are made there. Mm -hmm. Have you, it, it is so many. It is dozens and dozens of these movies. So I, I don't know. I just wondered if you knew that or if you have like family trying to get as extras in the background of all this stuff. I didn't know that, but it is a super beautiful town and it's right on the water. So it doesn't surprise mm -hmm. me because I know a lot of stuff's filmed in Canada because it's slightly cheaper, but it's that's an, pretty entertaining. It, it's an amazing, <laughs> if the website is clearly like the town itself is marketing that it's filmed there. And yeah, it was, it was, a, I did not expect that, but so, and I also have to mention, I mean, last year was a very good year for you as a Canadian soccer player because the Canadian women won and did you get to I mean as a parent did you get to watch any of those games because they were really funky times um my wife is a is a really diehard soccer person so she would get up at all hours to watch them I'm not quite as diehard as her so sometimes but sometimes we'd watch them after they'd been happening and try not to pay attention to social media yeah it was a well-earned goal and like everybody of course was happy for st Clair to get that that was awesome sure was cool. it was tough I, I woke up for every one of the u.s women's games and it was not a good tournament to be doing that it was a, we, we struggled it was so I, I would be waking up and it was all punishment on that tournament yeah at least you're um, committed though it was i mean they you know it felt like watching the u.s men honestly i'm not used to seeing the women stumble you know i love the u.s men but yeah um and i just have to ask so you it, i mean i said almonte ontario it's very close to ottawa right so you're, i mean you're yep. kind of kind of a big city um Canadian, but how did you end up, which I have to say, because you ended up in Crookston and that's a very small town. It, it's a, it somehow is smaller than the population implies. I, you know, I went to college in Morris, which is a lot like Crookston 
And so how did you hear about Kirkston? How did you end up there? Um, it's kind of a random story. So I, I grew up always wanting to play college soccer. I went to a soccer camp and there was a collegiate female there as part of the staff. And I saw her and I was like, I want to, I want to be that girl, um, or that woman. And I decided to invest in my soccer, you know, career. And so I started playing in Gloucester, which is a suburb of Ottawa. And one of my teammates there actually went to Crookston the year prior to me and talked to me about playing there. And then um, I went on a visit and I just absolutely fell in love with the coach because he is just one of the best humans. And um, it, yeah, it just was really lucky that I happened to be on that team with her and then, you know, followed up with a visit. So that's how I ended up there. And did she just get end up there by like a letter being sent or like she met a coach at a camp like or something like that? I I don't really know. I don't know her that didn't know her that well. She just was like, oh, I go here. You should, you know, you know, start talking to this coach. And then like the coaches just was just so um, I can't think of the right word. It's eluding me right now, but just wants you to he just sucks you in right away. Uh And I I still talk to him. He uh, moved to the East Coast. But, um, you know, the second I started talking to him, I kind of knew I liked his vibe. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I also, I have some college credits from Crookston that I got. We were actually Crookston students the same time. I was in high school and I was taking a U.S. history class. So go Eagles. I mean, you know, <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so I want to know if you remember how many goals you scored at Crookston because you're the all-time leading scorer. Yeah, um, I think it's 20 something, but I don't know the exact number. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I always wonder that about strikers because I, I don't have any goals to remember, you know, maybe two. So you scored 25 and then you had 62 points. So you were clearly, you know, you were hitting an assist too. And I love this about a small college, uh, which is, I don't know if you played a lot of tennis growing up, but you also played tennis, right? Really badly, but yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Owen too. I was I played college tennis because they literally the coach at Morris was just the assistant basketball coach, and the people I would end up on the team. Yeah, it was like kind of. But did you play growing up? And you just were like, cool. I, there's no spring soccer. Um, my mom played, so I played just rally tennis with her. Nothing serious. But they yeah. started the program when I was at Crookston. They basically just needed people for that season to fill the roster. And uh-huh. I was like, well, I'm kind of bored. I'm done with soccer now. Like, let's try yeah. something else. So it was so fun. Totally different than being really trying to be more of like a competitive athlete at soccer. Right. But, you know, I it was really fun to learn. Right. Mm. Yeah. Like the, the pressure is off because like you you've been so driven about soccer, but tennis you're you're like well cool it's kind of just for fun and yeah like it doesn't matter if you win even yeah yeah I was trying hard to win I just uh, I didn't have a skill set for it I could I can cover ground but I can't serve very well so that pretty much shoots you in the foot right away yeah 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 there were some I mean it's it, and also there can be some crazy wind days like some of the days that we played in Morris. I, I wasn't skilled enough, but guys could be hitting the ball so crazy, like as if they'd be warming up, like, look, and I can hit it sideways and it'll go, you know, like yep. the wind on the prairie is real. Yeah, very real. <laughs> and then you 
your first experience coaching you did at Crookston, which is a, kind of like probably the smoothest you know way you can do it it's a coach like you already respected and how did that come about and was it just did you have to work kind of like a side job or were you finishing classes while you did it how did that start yeah i was finishing up my undergrad so it took me four and a half to finish because i ended up changing majors while i was there um I guess I just still wanted to be part of the game and didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. So I was like, well, I'll try, you know, coaching and being on the sideline. And let me tell you, coaching is not at all the same as playing. And I learned that right away. <laughs> and I actually also had to coach my former teammates, which was so difficult because, well, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, because I mean, the context of knowing the program and knowing the coach is very good, but I was going to ask about that because then you know, you need to, whether it's just giving input to the coach, like behind the scenes, that's probably easier. But if you have to like, you have to critique them within training, I'm sure that was a learning experience. Yes. And I, it was one time on the sideline where I disagreed with my former coach and uh -huh. he had to talk to me about it after. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I understand now, but in the heat of the moment, I really wanted him to make this change. And right. We had to have that conversation. <laughs> so you just you just did that for a year, right? And then you or just just a you? semester actually, yes. and then I went um, overseas and played for a little bit after that. Oh, that's so cool! Where did you play? I played in Switzerland. Uh huh. That's yeah. awesome. That's, how was your How was that experience for you? How long did you stay? Um, I was there from like mid February through beginning of June. Mm -hmm. um, you know, women's soccer at that time is, at least where I was playing, was supremely secondary to the men's team. So, you know, there was two teams there, and it was very obvious that we were not very important. Um, still grateful we had the opportunity. Uh, but I think the jerseys we wore were the men's, old men's jerseys. Um so it was it was really fun. I got to see a lot of things. I got to, you know, do preseason in Italy, which I mean, that's mm -hmm. just like the most special, you know, thing to get to do. But not yeah. speaking the language was something that I did not anticipate having such a difficult time with. Mm -hmm. um, just not being able to have a proper conversation with somebody and all your conversations are very surface level, eventually it kind of wears on you a bit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even like in a game when the coach is doing the halftime talk and everything's in Swiss German and you don't speak very good Swiss German. And oh. then he comes up to you and says, score a goal. <laughs> you have no idea what he's saying. And, and that's like, it's just tougher than I anticipated. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so that's why I didn't stay longer. That's great coaching. Score a goal. I mean, he's not wrong. So, you know, <laughs> that's my tennis coach in college, and it's hilarious to even talk about. I was really not even on the team. He he was a basketball coach, right? And we would jokingly say, "Give us some coaching," and he'd say, "You want some coaching? Hit it over the net and in the line." <laughs> and we'd say, "What? Well, I mean, Eli? <laughs> Eli wasn't wrong." So how yeah. did you how did you then get over to NDSU? Because that was you were there for a while, a few years as an assistant at, at, with the Bison. Yeah, I was actually at St. Cloud before. So oh, yeah. when I was done at uh, when I was done playing, I actually interviewed for the grad assistant position while I was still in Switzerland, mm -hmm. and accepted the job. And I came over. It was the would have been the 07 season. So I worked mm -hmm. there um, basically for the semester, and then was in then 
that coach got let go. So they're right in the middle of a coaching hire. During that time, I went and do, did my D license. Mm -hmm. And I met Pete, who is the head coach of NDSU at the time. And he must have enjoyed what I was doing in the coaching license and asked if I'd like to apply for their grad assistant position. Mm -hmm. And having not played at D1, but maybe uh, wishing I'd had at moments, I wanted to see what that experience was like and how different it was. And mm -hmm got that opportunity and came up here the summer of 08. I finished out, you know, the full year at St. Cloud and then um, was there from 08 to just early in 2012. So. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was somewhat early days of D1 for them, right? I mean, they that was like, so like, you know, probably, and I know you also, like you won the Summit League in 2009, but did you even get to go to the tournament then? Or were they still in a probation of like the NCAAs or something like that? No, I was either the first or second year that they could actually participate in the NCAA tournament. So I just missed that transitional period. I was right on the edge of it. So all the time that I was there, they were eligible for postseason and all those kinds of things. But going to the NCAA tournament, winning the Summit League was a really special experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and it's not, you know, um, I don't think they've won it since then. Or, I don't, you know, like it's so it is. You know, those were good times for sure. And mm -hmm. you also, I love, you know, I just saw in one of the bios that you also coached at the Red River Soccer Club when you were there. And I wanted to ask specifically, like you coached U13 boys. And mm -hmm. so all your other coaching, uh, it seems has been, you know, with women or young women. I'm curious just how it was different. And I was also just remembering how I was as a U13 boy. So I'm curious what that experience was like. Um, That team was like probably one of my most favorite teams to coach because uh -huh. I had them when they were, I think I had them from 12 and up to 13. So we started on the small field and went to the bigger fields and mm -hmm. I just got to create a special relationship with them. And you don't have a lot of females coaching men yeah. period. And so I don't know, we, I could still really like play significantly so I could still get out there and school them a little bit. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. You can um, bully them. <laughs> yeah, they they had some respect for for me for sure and uh i still have their picture up at my office and um yeah I, I really loved that group i think i just wanted to try coaching boys and yeah. had the opportunity at red river and you know boys specifically are always competitive whereas sometimes on the youth girls side you have to really pull out that competitive spirit and it was so fun to show up to practice every day knowing that regardless of the drill they were going to compete like it meant everything to them. So that was really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the energy level of kids that age, like I can remember being that age and playing like three games in a day, you know, and just yeah. being like, yeah. And they're like, do you want to play a fourth one, like for the team up? And I'm like, sure. And you're just like, <laughs> you know, you're like little kids like that age, it's wild. But yeah. Um, so how did you get down to Northern Illinois? You went, that's where you went following NDSU, right? Yeah, so at NDSU, it was Pete Cudrado and John Ross, and Pete went to Wyoming, John Ross went to Northern Illinois, and I decided to go with John and um, try something a little bit different. So went there and worked for him for four years, and um, it's a little different. It's not, it's, it's still the Midwest, but it's a little different than um, the Fargo-Moorhead yeah. community. Mm -hmm. So, but it's yeah, basically, it's this, it feels like you're, it's like you might as well be in the south almost and down, down <laughs> there or something. No, that like, yeah. well, and was, was there a difference in scale or anything with like athletics? You know, I mean, NDSU now is 
really, I'm sure they just kind of keep growing in scale of like, they're a pretty big athletic department, but at the time, I don't like, was it a step up? Like Northern Illinois is, I mean, the Mac is a decent conference and they're certainly like a competitive program. Yeah, it definitely at the time, for sure, the Mac was definitely more rated than the Summit League. Um, I think the maybe overall soccer competition, again, at that time was a little bit better. Um, athlete maybe was a little more athletic and a little bit more skillful in general. Um, so, yeah, it was a step up. Plus, I was um, I knew I was going to be made the associate head coach, which was something I was uh, aspiring to at the time. And I uh, had known John for four years and was really excited to see him as a first time head coach and work with him. He's a really good friend and mentor of mine. So I was just excited for the opportunity to grow. Plus soccer in Chicago is huge. And so being able to maybe get into that scene a little bit and um, was a good opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's, I mean, you, it's, it's, I'm kind of spotting a trend, Christy, that you go somewhere kind of like not, not like thriving and there's like usually some notable success so i saw like niu made the mac tournament semis after having a seven-year drought you know with that summit league title so maybe that's the msic one this fall we're gonna see something like that but (laughs) i mean that's it must have been fun i mean so clearly you were there you had a good resurgence in the team being a part of that yeah, I mean, it's always different taking over a program, regardless of whether you're the head or assistant coach, and just the changes that you want to make and how you make those changes, when you make those changes, um, obviously can be really instrumental to your success. Uh, so yeah, we were fortunate to get to have some good moments at NIU and NDSU as well. So that's awesome. good. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a brief break to read an ad from our sponsor, Pence Homes. Pen, this week's episode is brought to you by Pence Homes. Pence Homes is a real estate team with Keller Williams. And Matt personally has experience working with Nate and Lydia when he sold and bought his home last fall. Nate has been a supporter of the local soccer community, including as an owner of Minnesota Aurora FC. Uh, and Matt has also enjoyed working with some of their preferred lenders, Angie Shearer with Luminant Financing. If you have house questions, selling, buying, need a furnace or floor in person, shoot them a message at Pence Homes. And all of that, you know, wouldn't matter if uh, Nate Pence wasn't also a fine customer at the Blackheart Bar when I when I serve him. So he tips well. He's a, he never take never goes to bare feet, which I can't say of every customer at the bar. But, <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to ask you, Christy, about Moorhead. So you, obviously, it's you were new to the area because you spent time in Fargo. So how did it, how did the opportunity with Moorhead come up and that move come to be? Well, um, so my, my then fiance was my now wife was working at NDSU. She actually had my old job uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we were getting married in June but when I got the job. And so when it came open, I just was like, well, it would be awesome to be in the same place and not to be living far apart. And Moorhead hasn't historically been the most successful. And I really wanted to have that type of challenge and see if I could change the program enough to make it a bit more successful. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, it's in a good community. So I feel like that really helps to you know, make it easier to recruit to, as opposed to sometimes in smaller places is a little more challenging, but I thought Mm -hmm. it, it does really say like, I think Moorhead can be successful because of the community, the school itself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I was really excited to kind of come back to the conference as well, just having played in it. And it really mm -hmm. felt full circle for me, I guess. Yeah, I was, well, and I was surprised because like, I, I, I was thinking that, I mean, the context of that you've come into, you know, a program that struggled with it in the past and trying to make that step up. Um, and I, part of it was seeing how good your Crookston teams were because, you know, I, I was like, whoa, I, they were in the tournament two years in a row. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I just, that was a surprise to see. But so in terms of taking that step up, I mean, I've watched the conference just for the last few seasons and it's, you know, there's, it's, it's top heavy. I mean, with Mankato and Bemidji making their run last year and then, you know, like Augustana and, and Concordia, you have a lot of teams who kind of like are up at the top clearly. And then it's a, and then it's a deep, you know, conference that has, you know, a lot of other teams struggling to take, like, take a step up. So I wondered if you could speak to that of just, yeah, like how, what the challenges of that, like in the NSIC, the challenge of kind of like moving up a, you know, up a step in terms of like what your program expects. It's so tough. Um, I mean, some of those programs that you're talking about have just historically been successful and been able to develop, you know, this kind of tradition of being successful in the conference. When I played, there was only eight teams. And so it was a little bit different, whereas now there's 16. Um, sometimes I think it really depends on where you're playing. So home field advantage, I think is really important. You know, if we're playing a team like Bemidji at our house on grass, that's a little bit different than them for them to play us on turf. So I think that that does help maybe the bottom to middle sometimes have a little bit more uh, of an advantage just because if they're playing at home, they have all those home crowd sort of situations. So that levels the playing field sometimes as well, but you know, it's really tough. Um, I think you really have to win the games that, that you, that are really in your like competitive bracket. And then you have mm -hmm. to try to upset some of the top teams really is mm -hmm. the way that you're going to make, bigger strides as a program, mm -hmm. I guess. But yeah, it's definitely challenging because there's just so much, there's just a huge difference sometimes between the top and the bottom. Um, but everybody always brings so much competitive energy. So, you know, you really don't always know who's going to win on every, any given day. Yeah. Well, you can see like the standard, you know, there's some consistency in, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Mankato's going to end up where they end up. But you still do see a random, like you'll see every week or, you know, there's a chance there's a team who had only won one game, but they tied someone great, you know, or, um, and I'm sure honestly, <laughs> big part of it sometimes you, in, and you can only control this so much you know not really at all it's just you know their budgets might be bigger you know like yep. and the difference in scholarships can be really big and so that makes a big difference you know if, if someone um you know if someone's able to have the full you know if they have 10 scholarships going instead of say four um that's you can't really cross that barrier so that's just that's just something you have to work with them yeah i know not at all of the division ones that I've been at, but there's there was at least one university where everybody in the conference had pretty equal scholarship money. So then the playing field is is a lot more level. Obviously, mm -hmm. you still have like where the program is, the majors, those things. But if everybody's funded the same, then it's really like your ability to recruit and your ability to put the team together, your game management, those kinds of things, your game plan. But yeah, when there's such a big difference between money between programs 
you know, you have to do the best with what you have. And um, it kind of looks different for every university. But it again, it adds kind of a layer that you can't um, you can't really control as a coach. And it's not super worth spending that much time thinking about because, right. you know, you still have to get the best players that you possibly can get regardless of whatever funding that your program has. Right, right. Yeah, you're. It's, well, I was just reading today. It's like Mankato's uh, hockey team is in the Frozen Four. So it's like, I mean, the Frozen Four isn't March Madness, but it's like they get money for that. You know, like yep. there's no, there's no, um, yeah, there's no like college football, you know, your teams just don't bring home money like that when you have like a D1 partner too or something. So for um, sure. Yeah. How is it? And then, I mean, so talk about recruiting because they, I mean, obviously the scholarships are one piece of it, but then of course it's, it's also just the work and the relationships you make. So, I mean, I know you pull a lot of the players that you can that are regional, you know, a good job of getting like girls from Fargo and from Northwest or East North Dakota and getting people from Northwest Minnesota. But then of course you also have to dip into the Twin Cities to try and get some of that talent because there's a lot of a lot of talent um, in the metro. So just talk about how you prioritize that or some of the challenges of recruiting in D2. Because I'm curious, did you do recruiting when you were in a D1 assistant or was that like the head coach did more of it? Talk about that. No, I was a recruiting coordinator later at NDSU, not right away. And then I was at Northern Illinois. So I've been recruiting for a long time. Uh, when I first got the job at Moorhead, I basically stayed away from the Twin Cities because since the record, you know, wasn't great from the program, people weren't interested at all in coming to Moorhead. And I had, it wasn't worth my time because I had such a hard time getting the kind of players that I was interested in right away. So I had to go out of state. I mean, I went to Washington quite a bit. I had a few players from there early on. Um, just kind of player cast a bigger net, if you will, but yeah. kind of, I didn't want to waste my time in an area where, you know, you can look at five other NSIC schools that were already doing significantly better than I was. Mm -hmm. um, but now I feel like I can be more competitive in the Twin Cities and, um, you know, Moorhead has so many majors and we just added nursing back I think a year and a half ago mm -hmm. so that's been really helpful because a lot of young women in soccer mm -hmm. seem to like nursing we also have speech language pathology which has been mm -hmm. becoming really important um, for young women uh, and then I there are some really good local players here for the d2 level mm -hmm. and a lot of them kind of seem to be wanting to stay close to home, just have their parents at games, have that mm -hmm. different type of experience, having their family close by. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've really been able to grow that part of the program. And I really am proud of that because soccer in mm -hmm. Fargo Moorhead hasn't always been the best, but I think it really has gotten better in the time that I've seen it grow mm -hmm. from when I was here in 08 to now in 2022 like mm -hmm. it's gotten a lot better there's a lot better players coming out of Fargo Moorhead so mm -hmm. that's super exciting and my local players have, have done really well for me so mm -hmm. that makes me that makes me happy yeah is it is it a difference too with I know like <clears throat> Fargo is a pretty you know, it, it's grow in terms of scale, like it's growing quite a bit. It has a lot of, there's a lot of new like immigrant population, especially compared to like 2006. Like, are you see, do you see that in women's soccer? I mean, it's, um, how much do you, is there a noticeable difference there? Um, not that I have seen so far. I hope to see that. Um, I think what it maybe has been is just the growth of the women's game in general over 
however many years it's been since I've been here. Um, I think, you know, in, in, as the community gets bigger, people are going to play, be less multi-sport athletes and maybe stick to one sport, which has kind of happened a bit more with soccer. Mm -hmm. And we do have a lot of players that do actually go to the twin cities to train um, in club soccer. And I could only think of one person that I knew of that did that in my time at NDSU. So I think there's just more people are thinking about soccer and playing it and loving it and wanting to go further with it. So yeah, that would be the only reason I can see. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a drive, man. I mean, I'm, I'm from Northern Minnesota and people, you know, like I think all the Duluth, the good Duluth soccer clubs, like they play in the Twin Cities League, but that's a closer, that's like two hours and 15 minutes. It's not, yeah, that people, yeah, that's wild. Well, as like someone who got signed for Aurora FC, like the team, the W League team starting, I was at the first tryout and someone had flown from California to try out for this team. And, you know, it's, they aren't paid, you know, and I was like, wow, okay, yeah, very, that's a supportive parent right there. <laughs> um, sure. So, yeah, so yeah, people, when there's specialization, there's a lot of investment in that. That was going to ask you too, I mean, you've you kind of given it to me, I mean, I'm ready to become a dragon, you got a lot of majors, <laughs> really nice town, what's your, I was going to, and when you have local kids, you don't have to sell what's nice about Fargo-Moorhead, but, you know, people from the Twin Cities might have some cliche or like joke about it. So I'm just curious. And also, you know, the movie Fargo, which none of it takes place there, but it, maybe it makes it look even more rural. But what do your what's your sell when you talk to, if you're going to the Twin Cities or you're in another state, you know, to talk to a player about coming to Moorhead? Um, now I have to give you all my secrets. <laughs> I mean, you can also, you know, I've also heard people just say, look, I don't sell. I just, you know, it's not about selling. I just tell them, you know, all the good things. And yeah. yeah, no, I guess I really approach uh, the program and college soccer from a really holistic standpoint. So mm -hmm. I have an opportunity with these young women to develop them, obviously through the game, but through many other elements as well. So I'm not just investing in them at soccer. You know, we do a lot of leadership work. We do um, some different trainings. I really want them to be a super well-rounded person when they leave here. And I really try to invest as much as possible in their development as people, not just as soccer players. And so that's a really big part of my recruiting presentation is that's the type of experience you're going to get if you're going to come and play for me. And and not everybody wants that. Some people just want their soccer coach to coach them at soccer. Uh -huh. um, but that's not what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's most of the reason that people come to play for me is because they, they like that idea of being developed, you know, with the game and with other aspects of the game as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it, it makes sense. And athletes are, I think, you know, being more outspoken about about needing that holistic piece, not just, and I think, you know, it's probably rational too. I mean, you have to spend a lot of time with this coach. They're, they're in charge of your life. It's like, wouldn't you want it to be someone who cares about, you know, developing you in all the different ways, you know? And also one of the main things I think is probably appealing to players is that, you know, you have a female staff that's just really rare, too rare in college. In we got a nice car, <laughs> but too rare in soccer. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it's cool, and you see a woman getting a chance to coach men. But just in terms of how many 
of the women's teams are coached by men. I'm sure the majority. Um, so talk about what that means to you and how that affects, you know, like players coming to your school. I mean, I'm so proud of my staff. I, um, I think it's so important to grow young female coaches. Um, I don't think enough people are invested in that. I don't think I never had a female coach when I was a player period, except for that young woman mm -hmm. at a camp who obviously left a big impression on me. Right. Um, it's just something I'm really passionate about providing that opportunity. I think it's amazing for young women to see other women in the sport, doing it, living it. You know, I'm a mom now, so they can see I can be a mom. I can be a coach. This mm -hmm. is something I can do. Um, you know, I, this is so cliche, but like, if you can see it, you know, you can attain it, right? If you see other people like you doing it, you can do it. Um, so, you know, I try to live up to everything that I say I'm about, which is part of why I do have all female staff is so that people know that I, I am genuine in what I'm trying to do. Um, not to say I haven't had amazing male role models in my life. I just think that this is such an underrepresented area of soccer that if I can do that and provide that experience for young female coaches, then, then I am absolutely going to. Um, you know, some people do say that they part of why they came is because they wanted to play for a woman. And I think that's awesome. And we need yeah. more women. We need more women in the game, top to bottom, not just at the college game, at the club game. We need to make it more accessible for people. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I will continue to, to 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 try to develop young female coaches as much as I can. Yeah, it's a, we talk about it a lot because it's why you know we. Uh, um, you know, we try to get when we're actually our female coaches, we try to get them on, you know, which means, yeah, a lot of the teams and then SIC, well, and it's, and, you know, not even some, not even an assistant, you know, it's like four dudes, you know, and it's just, um, you know, I think one of the simplest ways I think Matt, my brother will describe it, watching gopher games and things like that is kind of just watching the game and seeing the sideline demeanor kind of reflects it to me. I don't know. It's like, it's kind of the simple way to see it. And of course it's not the trend across every coach, but it is a, thing you kind of notice if you watch a lot of games um and so yeah it absolutely matters i think you telling the story just it's like seeing it one time when you were a kid you're like holy crap i can you know i can actually do it and it wasn't real before that so that's very cool and it's and you're right i mean it, there needs to be the more we see um there's so few spots too in like professional game for people to move up because there's only so many teams so seeing you know, NWSL expand and then seeing other professional um, and pre-professional leagues for women is really important because, yeah, you need everybody to have the spots. You know, it's like there should be if women want to be the head groundskeeper of a club, you know, if women want, you know, every type of thing that comes with um, building the game. So, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and talk about you. I, I, I think it's just a piece of a campus wide thing at Moorhead, but you're the athletics diversity and inclusion designee which is a great, you know, a great title. I wanted, I just wanted to ask what that role entails and get what, uh, and just to talk more about that. Yeah. So it came, I think it was made, uh, something that every NCAA school is supposed to have within the last year or two. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get that role. Um, basically I'm doing some diversity work within the department. So right now we're doing small group diversity training with the coaches that, um, that I developed with some other people um, to to make sure our coaches are, you know, learning and growing and 
-hmm. being mindful of the times there we're in with a diversity and inclusion lens. And then I do do the leadership for our Dragon Stand Together group, which is student athletes that are kind of interested in social justice and social change. Mm -hmm. um, so we're working on a couple different things. We did a lot um, in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're still working on some programming for the remainder of this year. But, um, you know, it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, so I'm really, you know, I really like doing that aspect of the work on our campus. I think it's really important. Yeah, that's one. It's kind of one of the. I mean, you'd say that's one of the positive things that's come about in sports, like in the last few years, is athletes leading, you know, with their values. Like, you know, I work like I work in a bar that has Megan Rapinoe spray painted on it. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it makes a difference when you stand up for things. You know, and so that must be. I would imagine it'd be a very motivating thing to to be around the young people you know you're around who you know it's like when I talk to players and I'm like wow I look up to you and you're a 20 year old you know it must be that must be cool to get that positive even though sometimes the issues are hard you're getting kind of like inspired by the youth you're working with I'm sure yeah and they're so um they're so well-spoken compared to what I think I was at that time. I I'm, I'm like, saying. you're so smart. I was not that smart when I was your age. I'm just so impressed by their composure and their ideas and their mm -hmm. the way they want to challenge things and the things they want to accomplish. And they're still being student athletes and they still have jobs sometimes and they still right. have all these things and they're still trying to push the envelope in these really important ways. So yeah, they're so inspiring. I'm, it's so it's so nice too to get to work with athletes other than soccer players sometimes just because then I'm more invested in going to watch the other sports teams and just hearing about their journeys makes me a better coach of my own team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's cool. And it will and it just kind of I mean, it just helps you to get to be you get to be a mentor and a leader the way you are with your team, but it's not, they don't have the same relationship with you of like, well, we're going to be back at practice. And if mm -hmm. I don't do this, then I might not play. <laughs> yes. It's, there's it's no dynamic a, there. No <laughs> yes. Um, so you're in the middle of spring season right now. I mean, you have a, what do you have a game this weekend in Jamestown, right? You, yep. We're yeah. going to play uh, 45 against Jamestown and 45 against you, Mary. So cool. nice. we'll and yeah. I, I love that you start your spring season is that like with an alumni game. And I'm just curious how serious that is. Cause I, <laughs> I, it'd be fun. I could imagine like the alumni, if they're talking crap, like girls from 2019 are like, well, we won, you know, we went six and eight, but how, how much of a real game is that? And how many alumni blow out, you know, a knee or something during <laughs> Well, we do it small sided because, you know, yeah. it's hard to play 11 aside or bigger side when you're just a little bit older. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it starts off really competitive, right? Like they, yeah. just because their bodies maybe don't match where their mind is competitively, they still give it everything they have. Yeah. Um, some of them are still, you know, amazingly talented and skillful. And it's so fun to get to see. It's so fun for the current players to get to see if they've maintained you know, yeah. their ability to play because, you know, when you're done, it's kind of like a hard stop. Like you don't get to totally. sometimes play professional or do anything else. And so mm -hmm. it's really fun for the current players to be like, well, soccer doesn't have to be over just because my eligibility is over, but right. it's always really competitive in the beginning. And then yeah. sometimes the current team really, you know, can get a couple goals and then it kind of tapers off a bit, but we actually, 
you know, do sometimes, uh, not always, but we sometimes mix them up. So they play together because yeah. then it kind of actually encourages relationships with the current team and the alumni. Mm -hmm. So that's been really fun to get to see. And I'm actually currently working on a, like an alumni directory so that players, if they're interested in a certain major, they could maybe reach out to an alumni who's a mm -hmm. current professional in that major. And that's been a really positive, um, thing to start a you know start to cultivate because yeah. then they can really see what their life would be or go in job shadow and maybe mm -hmm. maybe they don't want to do that profession after yeah. they actually get some on the job training yeah yeah that that's yeah that was so helpful to me in college that i had a professor as helpful like that and it just made it tangible because you are kind of like what the hell i don't know what's real after you know it feels like a cliff at the end of college so yeah, yeah. well and you got a new coach this year an amazing recruit carly Copites, and I was wondering how you discovered, you know, this talent. But honestly, so obviously, I know she was a player, right? Was she a keeper? Yeah, Carly was a keeper at Minnesota, actually. Yeah. For three. She's, that's my wife. I don't know if you know that or if I you're do. Just, no, that's okay. why I'm asking. Yeah. No. So she, um, she coached for a long time, and uh, I really needed some help um, at the beginning of the season because my goalkeeper coach Sierra is a volunteer, mm -hmm. um, and so Carly was able to come and and help and do a couple of things throughout the year, but she's a definitely, um, you know, she's part-time, she has another job as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. It makes for really interesting conversations and she's still really athletic, annoyingly so. And so right. <laughs> you know, she hops in at practice or, you know, yeah. the girls like see her make a save or catch a certain ball. I, it's really fun for me to see that. And I think for them to be like, wow, look at how good yeah. she is. <laughs> don't kill me for saying that but i would man if i hop, i played a little goalie in, in, growing up and i think my hips would hurt so bad <laughs> like if i went out and did that like my butt and legs would just i would be destroyed yeah i can't imagine but um no that's great i of course i know it's your wife and i'm just wondering yeah how that affects you know how how it affects the power dynamic <laughs> between that is it but i'm sure you're thankful to have her and she's an amazing coach yeah, she certainly is. I am really, really lucky. Um, it's also really fun to be able to share that with your partner. Yeah. You know, when I come home from work and I can talk to her about soccer or just about being a collegiate coach, she really obviously understands what that's like. And I mean, that's super rare. So I'm very yeah. fortunate. She has a totally different outlook than I do. So it's refreshing for me to be able to bounce stuff off of her. Nice. Yeah, I saw, well, and I saw on y'all's Twitter like she's she, yeah she was posting about the FA Cup she's into it man and, and like her, she's getting your kids in she's in like a Stoke City jersey I was like that's oh so yeah. Uh, how yeah. Did, yeah I was like is she from Stoke how does someone get a Stoke City jersey in that closet <laughs> no she um she worked with Chris Logan who's at UND for a mm -hmm. while and Chris mm -hmm. is uh families from that area and right I don't know how it happened but we actually went to see a Stoke City game a very long time ago. They used to have a bunch of American at a time. I think they got an American investors, and they, for a time, on the men's team had maybe like four Americans. I think so. It was yeah. like it was like, yeah, Breck Shea, uh, Jeff Cameron. Yeah, there's a bunch of people, but yeah, that's cool. That's well. I'm gonna we. I got some some. I'm, I call it rapid fire. It, we'll see how quick it is. But it's some more simple <laughs> questions for you. Firstly, because I didn't realize you played in Switzerland. What was the name of the team? And, and with your Swiss German accent. 
Um, it's Swiss or it's FC Muri. Sorry, something popped up on my computer. Um, FC Muri was the team. Yep. Do you still have a kit? Do you have a shirt from it? Um, yeah, probably in like my keepsake bin. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I wonder. I mean, that's cool. I mean, it's, you know, being, being a pro soccer player is being a pro soccer player. You know, I'm sure that, it, you know, didn't always feel glamorous, but it's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your favorite sport to watch besides soccer? Tennis, for sure. Tennis? There you go. Yep. So who's your favorite tennis player? Do you have someone that you specifically like to watch? Federer. I'm a Federer fan. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, you've gotten a lot of years of Federer. He's still doing it. Um, He's amazing. It's, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think back to when I think I watched that crazy Wimbledon with him and Nadal. It was like 15 years ago. You know, or it was like yeah. some, and yeah, still doing it. What's your favorite soccer team to watch? Do you watch a lot of soccer? Because you're so in it. I'm a Chelsea fan. My uncle has uh, been a Chelsea fan, so I kind of got that okay. early on. Okay. Um, so I obviously really like watching that. I think secondary, I would have to say the women, U.S. Women's National Team. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. just it's just fun product to watch. I know all the players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, invested in it. So yeah, they're it's so fun, and they just they play with so much joy. You just can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Yeah. They're so talented, I, and they also make the same mistakes that my current players make. So that's super refreshing sometimes uh, too, just to be like, "Wow, I shouldn't get so frustrated when my team does this because like these players are doing that too." Uh, who's your favorite on the women's national team? I've always been a Julie Johnson fan. Yeah. Ertz or Ertz is it Ertz now? I forget yeah, which one. Ertz, yeah, yeah I really. She's yeah. just so physical and she just works hard and mm-hmm. um, puts her body on the line. I really love that about her. Yeah. She just bosses. Like she just, yeah, yeah she's, she's intimidating. I mean, it's like, yeah, you just feel like she's going to run through you for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I think I saw, I think she, I think I, she just announced she's having a baby. I think, maybe she her. did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah just yeah. recently. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. They're, they're, and they're also, I mean, it's cause they're fun people to root for too, you know? So it's like, it's easy to, you know, when they lead on things like I have a, I have a Roosevelt tattoo on my leg that she signed my leg and I got tattooed. So yeah, they're, they're great. That's neat. <laughs> I know. And also I, I promise to add to it, but you know, it's like, I have to deep Google on someone to approve them. Like I, I went to page 15 on Roosevelt to make sure <laughs> it was a good, you know, like I'd get, yeah. Like Crystal Dunn, Sam Newitt. Yeah. Someone like that. So we'll see if Rapino comes to the bar again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I'm ask, gotta ask you. You got your little kids. You were home with them, I'm sure, a lot at times during COVID. What's the best kid content like you've had to watch that you've been able to bear the most? Because I know it gets a little, you know, it's like, but grind you down. Um. So recently, I had the team over for dinner, and um, Otto had these little like cups and um like little tiny cups like really really tiny ones and he kept carrying them around and mean like these cups are for the team these cups are for the team and i'm just like they can't drink anything out of those it's like the smallest cup i've ever seen but he was just like so excited and carrying them around all day and, and then they get there and he's like pretty shy at the beginning like of course, yeah. well, I'm like you've been looking forward to this all day and now <laughs> like don't even want to talk to them 
That he must be a blast for him. I can remember my dad was a women's basketball coach when we were growing up, when we were really little. And so I can remember being at like his junior high girls practices and we were like five and I thought they were huge. <laughs> I'm like, man, is she like six, three? No, this is, yeah. But yeah. I'm sure it must be a blast for your kids to get to see. Yeah. He always asked me, what's the team doing? Or he just recently started blowing a whistle. And so he'll blow the whistle and be uh, like, okay, is the team coming now? And I'm like, no, honey, they can't hear you. <laughs> I love that. He's gonna, yeah, look, he's going to skip playing. He's going to get into coaching right away. No, no, he needs to play. <laughs> Does he go to like little tot soccer yet? Three and four is kind of when that starts. Yeah, we did a little bit last summer. So hopefully we'll do some more this summer. But he really liked the ladders, which yeah, I yeah. was fun. So yeah. That's, a, that's great. <laughs> what so we we talked about like recruiting to Fargo Moorhead. What's underrated about it? Like if you know if you're when you're standing up for it, what do you what's something that's underrated about Fargo Moorhead mm -hmm. or the school? No, the like living living in like in the town. Like yeah. Oh my goodness, this is a tough question. Um, it's underrated. I don't know if I have an answer for that. I think it's bigger in general. It's just like a bigger community. There's more going on than people think, I'm sure, in Fargo and more. But um, this this might get your brain ticking on it because this is what, like, you know, we want, we keep, we highlight, you know, the name, image, and likeness rules, which is not a big deal in D2 soccer, but, like, we like to see players getting those deals and we actually pay the players we have on just because we can and we think we should. Um, so uh, if you could get an NIL style deal with like a bar or restaurant where it's like you promote them, you get to go there for free, you get, you know, which one would it be? In Fargo-Moorhead? Yeah, like which one Which one would you be like, yes, because now what, you, I'll just go there every week. <laughs> um, you know, it would probably be Rustica and Moorhead. They okay. um, have the best... Uh, poutine, which is a Canadian mm -hmm. specialty. Right, right. Um, it's delicious. The gravy's really good, and the, they put good cheese on it. The fries are good, so I would have to go with that. Canadian-approved poutine. There we go. Yep. That's, yeah. That's, speaking of Canadian, who, who has the worst, like, when they're at their worst, which accent is worse, Minnesotan or Canadian? You're kind of from the city in Canada, but I'm sure they had accents in Ottawa, too. Oh, for sure, Minnesotan. <laughs> <laughs> I love a Canadian accent. I think it's great. It, 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 it's nostalgic for me, whereas it isn't in Minnesota. I just, you know, the way some of my players say bagel and bag is just, is funny. <laughs> you must be getting, you've had a lot of time though in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. You must have a bit of a mix, I would guess, yeah. Yeah, I do. There's still definitely words that I say. Um, but I actually was born in England, so I have a little mm. bit more... Um, some British tendencies with like my word choices than maybe Canadian, but care higher than all of us in stature accents. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree that at its worst, like I don't think Canadian accents they they are funny and they're thick like Minnesota ones, but I think Minnesota at its worst is like when someone says a really bad O or like a really deep one, it hits you like physically. It like I'm like oh god, that was tough. That was a bad accent. What's your favorite goal you ever scored, Christy? Um, I can't, I don't know. Okay. I do know. <laughs> so we went to Winona. It, I forget which year it was. 
because it's been a long time, but it was in the playoffs and we scored first, I believe, and I scored the goal. So we were up one nothing against Winona. And at the time that I played, Winona was like, mm-hmm. I mean, top of the conference every year. You you just didn't want to play them because they won every single mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like scoring first, we ended up losing the game, but we, you know, we gave it a really good effort. But just mm-hmm. to be able to score first was really against yeah. such like a powerhouse mm-hmm. was uh, was a special moment for me. Nice. Made you feel like you belong. You're like, no, we're yeah, we're at the top with you. Yeah, yeah. Like we had a chance too to to upset them. Right. Well, that the the last two. That's what I was going to ask you. This the front end of it is what's the the team you wanted to beat most as a player when you played at Crookston? A hundred percent, Winona. Because yeah. of that, yeah. All right. Well, shout to Winona. Maybe maybe they'll come <laughs> back. But I don't think they aren't. They aren't. Uh, they need to resurgence. And then what now? I don't, I don't know who you'll say to this. Who's the team you want to beat most now? As the coach? Oh, I don't know if I can say that because then they'll yeah. use it in the locker room against oh, me. Oh, they will. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can't give anyone, you can't give anyone the, bull, the bulletin board material. No, I can't do that. Um. <laughs> well, it's, you could say someone like, it's like, you know, maybe you get a preseason game to upset NDSU. That'd be great. You know, beat the local <laughs> D1 team. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> that's that right. we, we sure. I had the NDSU five of the NDSU girls on when they were in England because I was like that's cool we gotta talk to you about that and yeah. I said who would you want to beat most and before I answered the question they were all like South Dakota State South Dakota State. <laughs> like, we, we hate them I was like okay, yeah, yeah. So I would have guessed that too but yeah <laughs> my team my team would have some different answers because sometimes it's about like Maybe they have a, a player on their team that they want to beat or their friends sometimes. Right. Um, I do find it really fun to coach against some of my f- closer, you know, colleagues in the conference is really right. fun just to coach against them. I think is fun, but doesn't have anything to do with their team that they're coaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it would, you know, it's like, yeah, I would, I would, I'm sure plenty of people would. Well, and I mean, people would say Mankato, people would say Bemidji after their run last year. I mean, they're going to have the target because they, yeah, that was a, that was fun to watch. But cool. Well, thank you so much for joining, Christy. This was awesome to get to talk about your whole journey. Learn. I didn't dive even deep enough. I didn't even find <laughs> you're playing in Switzerland. So congrats on that. But thanks. <laughs> thanks well, for thanks joining. for having me. It's a, it's awesome that you're highlighting the women's game. I'm I'm grateful, and I think it's uh it's great. Keep doing it. And if you ever want to talk to any of our dragons, you know they'd be more than happy to be on. I'm sure. We will this fall for sure. And, and yeah, it's, it's fun because I haven't, you know, I, I follow soccer uh, basically like it's my full-time job, but it, I've only covered the NSIC for a couple of years. And so it is, it's cool to see it over time because I have more familiarity and it helps, you know, with the coverage and it's great fun. Yeah. This fall, I'm sure I'll have um, Rachel Norton back who is a Bemidji state player and it's really mm-hmm. fun to have her on. She's a former player and can kind of be honest and, you know, can give some insight or she'll, you know, tell us little stories about, um, you know, playing Mankato and then making noise in the locker room or something like that. But, sure. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Christy. We will, th- we'll, we'll follow your team and good luck with the rest of the spring season. You're in Jamestown and then you play Crookston and Northern, right? Down yeah. In April. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Bye.